and this was one of the best years of my life. I don't know, because it's a music podcast, so I didn't, I didn't go that far. Wait, 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 wait. Well, I figured, you know, if it goes well, then that's because of me. If it goes bad, that's because of you guys. So I'm not too worried. <laughs> <laughs> you can bend behind the nut. You were just thinking of Babs Bunny. <laughs> this is a hot bunny, man. Bunnies could be hot. Club banger. Blam jam. Dude, you can't judge someone's personal life and their music, otherwise you wouldn't like Kanye. And Kanye's awesome. His music is awesome. He sucks. And now, see, I was going to the ball game, my buddy Tom. We couldn't play Zigzag Wiggle Wham by the new Ball J Boys. So close. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome <laughs> to the Bass and Trouble podcast. My name is Neil. And if you didn't already know, I'm Steve. Now you know. Pay better attention. Well, 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 we're back again to talk your ear off about our favorite topic, music. So last week, we uh, jammed out to the police. They're this all new wavy, reggae, and even a little punk. I said rig- riggy, reggae? Gosh, that genre yeah, is not that hard They were a reggae band. And they were even a little punk in their early days, right? But this week we're going totally punk all the way with the yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so with the yeah, yeah, yeahs, we're going to dive into some of their albums. We're going to dive into Karen O's other albums. She has some solo stuff and she seems to like really guest starring on soundtracks. She's in a bunch of them. I love soundtracks, so that makes me happy. And later on, we'll get to talking about the sucky song of the day. Um, you know, we always reference cover songs in these podcasts. I feel like that happens all the time. Like, oh, are they better than the original? We have a whole playlist for them. Right, because sometimes they are. But today, they're going to talk about one that is never going to make that playlist. It's, it's a terrible cover. Yeah, I mean, it is terrible. All right. So uh, if you haven't already described, subscribed, <laughs> if you haven't described, <laughs> what, what are you waiting for? Uh, (laughs) if you haven't already subscribed then what are you waiting for our content's only getting better all the time so add us on spotify add us on apple podcasts whatever you prefer uh once in a while you can find us on facebook under bass and dribble yeah i'll just update the profile picture every now and then but hey that keeps you going (laughs) all right so we have a presence (laughs) this this uh this week we're doing the yeah yeah yes i am Kind of sensing a theme, though, in that, man, it's like we did the White Stripes, which is a two-man band. And last mm-hmm. week, we did a three-person band of police, and now we're doing another three-person band. Yeah, so, it came to my attention. There's no official bass player for this band. And as I'm listening to the music, they really don't need one. What are they, the Doors? But yeah. <laughs> it makes sense, you know? Um, no, it's, it's probably because Nick just does it all, and so does Brian. They're, they're like... Um, they're really good at programming things in their shows. If you ever really uh, want to look up something cool, look up a Yeah, Yeah, Yeah show. It's like three people, and you're like, wow, they're really triggering like everything to go around them. This is kind of ridiculous. Like, Yeah, the energy there is they, they know how to bring it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's just three of them. Karen O oh is on vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, who knew that she was from South Korea? She was born there. Yeah, that explains why she's so hot. Sorry, I have to say it. <laughs> yeah. With a last name like Orzolek, I, I mean, that also doesn't sound very Korean. Yes, Sounds me. like she's from your tribe, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I'm sure there are Korean Jews out there. <laughs> yeah, they, that food is the bomb. <laughs> oh, God, no. I almost starved <laughs> when I was in Korea. Everything is pickled or fishy or 
spicy. It's just not my style, man. I eat questionable things. Steve is more questioning of the food. So what's in that? (laughs) (laughs) I had to make a 2 a.m. Taco Bell run in Korea because I'm not a big fan of Korean food, but... (laughs) Apparently, I'm a, Korea, a fan of Korean music, if, if that's yeah. where Karen O is from. That's cool. I didn't know that. And then uh, Nick, as you mentioned, is Nick Zinner is the guitarist, and Brian Chase is the drummer, and that's all you need. That's yeah, all it takes. No. And I think all this band really uh, needed was three people in it. I mean, they really are all instrumental to making the band go. Um, yeah, man, I love that we do these small groups, because I don't think anybody understands how much muscles required to like carry the whole song. <laughs> There's only three of them. Mm. <laughs> now you got me wondering, though, should we do something like Arcade Fire next? <laughs> no, we should do a band like, uh, like uh, <laughs> we should do... Um, Polyphonic Spree. You no, know, we should do Bruce, Bruce Springsteen's uh, backing band. We'll just, oh, the we'll, E Street Band. Yeah. <laughs> we'll spend so the whole hour just naming off their members. Whole hour, the whole afternoon. Yeah. Spend a tidy three hours <laughs> going through each one. No, but uh, they're out of New York City, and uh, they started in 2000. Wow, that's pretty cool. You know what? Um, turn of the century from the 90s, 2000, we definitely had another kind of 80s, like, we can be futuristic, 2K future. <laughs> and uh, this band had a little bit of that, and then it also had a little badass 70s punk influence in them. Holy crap. They are loud, and I love it. Yeah, they, they kind of bring that garage rock band to a new generation. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just a reminder that Neil's been on point lately with making up all these playlists. Uh, so if you head over to Spotify, you could see his latest creation, uh, which should include all the best Yeah, Yeah, Yeah songs that we could find. Yeah, and there's some, uh, there's some pretty cool covers of Yeah, Yeah, Yeah songs that I actually found. Uh, there's a Floor is the Machine cover, which is Ooh. music to everyone's ears. Um, Bonus. Yeah, for sure, but awesome. Thanks, Steve. I'll keep posting those. So technically, these guys started in my great state of Ohio. You know, I grew up in Florida, was born in Cuba. I now call Ohio home because I realize people in Florida are nuts. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why we left. So Karen and Brian, the drummer, they were in school together at Oberlin College in the late 90s. Steve, don't you know some people that went to Oberlin College? That sounds familiar. Do you have some friends? I don't know. You're, you're the one in Ohio. Like, is that anywhere near you? I, I don't even know where it is. I don't know. It sounds like a, like a, like a, like a Division three school. But anyways, next yeah. thing you know... <laughs> Karen's back in New York going to school at NYU. Um, and then he picked up Nick's. I like, I like how she, you know, it's like you just find these awesome people when in reality it's like a lot of luck, a lot of luck happened for this all to work out. Um, right. Yeah, <laughs> I spend a lot of time in divey bars in the East Village. And do you I know Mars Bar? Do you know, do you know that one on 2nd Avenue? No, I wanted to look that up to see if it still exists. I mean, Probably doesn't. I, I, I ride by 2nd Avenue all the time. And uh, I know the East, I, you know, I know the East Village, but I've never met someone who I would consider joining a band. Well, in, by all descriptions, in any bar in New York City. By all descriptions, this was the kind of bar where you would find, you know, people that wear all leather and uh, apparently, you know, dress like they're in punk bands. But uh, I am familiar with that part of the East Village. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know. And then uh, they lived in this trashy art team for a while. Um, back in the day, they all three of them actually shared a flat. That sounded like like a really good way to form bonds, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> is it, is it really a flat if it's in New York? Is that not more of a English term? I think for it's just, a studio? yeah, it's a fancy way of saying apartment. Apartment, right? Like it's, like, it's, it's a flat. Like, what is it? Like, what does that mean? Is it flatter than most? Like, do they not have, uh, borders around their doors? What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> you can call it a, a loft. I don't know. But they live there with, with the future members of the band Metric. They weren't officially Metric yet, but... 
I hope that it was more than just a studio. Yeah, it's like if they're all sharing this space. Now like, I feel like we should be calling it a flat. It deserves that kind of respect with so many people in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize that they were so close, but Metric also ha- has a very similar sound. That's for sure. So originally they called their band name Unitard, <laughs> which I can't help but laugh at. Um, but that was when it was just just uh, her and Nick. And then once they brought Brian in, uh, he replaced their existing drummer, and boom, you instantly had the yeah, yeah, yes. That's all it took. That's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, they instantly got together writing a bunch of songs at their first rehearsal. I mean, they were pretty much right on the scene, uh, opening up for bands like The Strokes and The White Stripes, uh, two obviously similar bands from that era. But to go from, hey, we just met each other, to let's rehearse, to hey, let's write some music, to hey, we're on tour now with these guys. Um, again, I think that goes to show how much they, uh, they really, uh, clicked. That's also, I I can see that happening pretty quickly if you're in that scene, especially in New York at the time where, you know, if they're living with metric and they're hanging out in bars where you just pick up musicians, it seems like they already greased the wheels. They already were in the scene and it seemed pretty easy for them to just take off. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and the buzz ramped up for them. So fast, and in late 2001, uh, they released their first self-titled EP. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a quick uh, ramp up. And, you know, based on the live shows I've seen, again, this band's vibe is, is nuts. Like, I could see why, if I was a White Stripes or Strokes, I'd be like, yeah, can you guys open for me? Because you're amazing. Um, you got to set the bar <laughs> high for the opening acts if you're, if you're a really good band. Another one of those times, I think you mentioned a few, a few episodes ago, where I see concerts all the time, and I've completely lost track of who I've seen and who I haven't. But there was one outdoor festival in Brooklyn a few years ago called Guga Muga. <laughs> and uh, uh, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's headlined that. So I did get a chance to see these guys in concert, and it was so every what was it called bit again? as hardcore. Guga Muga? Oh, it was... Uh... Vendata Mondata, were they like battling each other? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Vendata Mondata. Mondata. Yeah, uh, they, they played the entire set at Guga Muga. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That, you know, Steve, you treat, you treat these shows you go to like single serving um, hand sanitizing wipes. You're like, ah, what's that? The Strokes? <laughs> oh, yeah, they're pretty cool. The second album. All right, cool. Moving along. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's right. That was in 2003. That was an amazing lineup. The the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and the Flaming Lips headlined the, the festival. Flaming Lips? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oof. Um, also, Father John Misty played there in what? 2013 before he was a big name. Matt and Kim played played this festival, and that's when I really cemented the fact that I don't like them at all. <laughs> and my other favorite band to hate. The Darkness played that show as well. Oh, love so, you. Again, I can't stand the falsetto. It's tough. But yeah, that was one hell of a three-day concert in Prospect Park. And uh, yeah, yeah, yes, we're headlining. So it was great. I love when Steve goes down memory lane, but there's no actual lane. It's like memory soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like that, that thing that happened that one time. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. awesome. <laughs> so, Steve, why don't you start us off uh, talking about the, the, the body of work for this group? Because um, it's pretty, pretty extensive. Yeah. I mean, uh, for the 10 years that they were together, they had four studio albums and a compilation album, four EPs, 14 singles, two video albums, 14 music videos. Wow. 
that's uh, enough to keep them busy for a while, and that's just as band. Yeah, it doesn't even get into her her solo stuff. And they were they were a, a, a definitely a live band. They played a lot of shows. They traveled a lot on the road. So I think it was probably mm-hmm. why they don't have as many albums. But their albums are killer. They have all of them have a few good songs, which is why it makes sense when they have so many singles. Like they they, they made songs that were like super catchy, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, for for the type of punk they were. Yep, yep. So the first one was Fever to Tell. It came out in 2013, and Rolling Stone pinned it perfectly. They said there's half a dozen songs in under three minutes on Fever to Tell, and they sound absolutely complete. They just had a way to take these riffs and these moments and make it into a full-fledged song. And at the same time, yeah, most of these don't even go over two minutes. Yeah, Tick Tick is an awesome song. Um, it's short, but it's super cool. It's super <laughs> like, a, um, I don't know, it, it's just kind of a song that you would just throw together. And that's what I like about this first album. They were so punk. I mean, all of these songs, what, there's one track that's over, there's two tracks over three minutes, one over five, but the, all the rest of them are either less than two minutes or less than three minutes or right on two minutes. Like they're, they're really kind of fast songs, um, which of course, um, you know, Maps is, is uh, a great, great tune. Um, that was a great kickoff. I mean, that song kind of stuck in a lot of people's minds. Starts out so cool too. I, I really kind of think this should have been the opening track on the album where they layer like three guitars going real fast over each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of odd that they put um, that song... Uh, towards the end of the album but at the same time um i could see how if it was like a side two of a vinyl it would be the first song right or the second Mm -hmm. song either way um the lyrics are really really cool um and everything the drumming in is is spectacular it's you know for being punk it definitely has a lot more like um mainstream rock vibe to it so probably why it was a good kickoff song for them if you think of that really cool like uh but at the same time he does like kind of like a rhythm guitar solo which you don't really have a lot of people do anymore. You know? I didn't even know that's even possible. Yeah, so Green Day, I think, kind of like was the ones who fir- really first did it. You know, when they would he would he would uh, okay. play just like chords really fast and really funky, and so they had that whole. Isn't that almost like a bridge then? It, it is, except it doesn't feel like a bridge because afterwards he has a part that's kind of the bridge part. It's a, it is gotcha. It, it just definitely had its uh the, again the drummer kills it in this song and of course um. Karen O sounds spectacular. I also think there's something to say about like making a song that sounds good, but that also people can sing to. Like anybody can sing the song, you know. Right. It's a it is a favorite of karaoke night. Yeah, which shouldn't <laughs> be a thing because not everybody's Karen O. <laughs> True. Yeah, she she's got this amazing vocal range, mm-hmm. but she also does these like yips. I don't even know how to describe. Oh, we'll it. get like, into the yips yelps. later on. I already know where that's going to go. Okay. My favorite song of all time of theirs is the yippy one. Oh yeah. All right. We'll, we'll get to it. But so maps, I had no clue what the song was about. Like everybody knows the song. I can even sing along, but like it didn't make a lot of sense. So I actually had to do a little research here. And basically she's trying to plead with someone to stick around. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's the end of a relationship. She knows that they can't possibly offer what she's willing to offer. And she was dating somebody at the time named Angus. So MAPS could potentially stand for My Angus, Please Stay. I mean, that might be kind of a stretch. I think somebody on the internet just kind of made that up and said, hey, look, I made an acronym. <laughs> yeah, it sounds totally make up, made up. And I, honestly, when I opened the show notes, I thought it said, My Anus, Please Stay. I didn't think a double take. <laughs> I was like, what? And I was like, oh, Ag... And then I called and said, I have a problem with Agnes and Angus. 
that they're close. Yeah, and they always you know screw me up. And so when I first actually I read Anus, and then I thought it was Agnes before this very <laughs> moment, and I'm like, oh, so sh- Agnes, and then I'm like, Angus. Oh, he had a really bad name, like the cow. Yeah, like. Yeah, <laughs> like the massage cow. Congratulations. <laughs> Anyways, that sounds totally made up. Not to blow up the spot, Steve, but it's a bit of a no, stretch. You're, you're, on the other hand, I can't think of anything better. When you finally read these lyrics, I still can't figure out exactly what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, maps, wait. Yeah. Why would you be looking at a map? They, they don't love you like I love you. Oh, maps, wait. Maybe somebody's leaving and they're looking at a map. I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it's just filler, but if it was my... Yeah. I, I actually, what it, it's the title of their first hit song. It can't just be filler. There's got to be a purpose to it. All right. Well, uh, with that being said, Why Control is a sick song. And um, I always thought this song was about video games. Like, you know how you have the X, Y axis? Of I thought course. it was the Y, like, you know, the, the, the Y axis. Uh, but apparently there's more to it than that. No, maybe you're the one that's right here. You know, all these songs are so cryptic and enigmatic that you just never really know what they're about. Yeah. But it could also potentially mean why chromosome ah. and about men having control and they're controlling nature over women. And that's, that's definitely a thing. Experience, I see it every day. Yeah. It, it, and here she is potentially maybe writing a song about it. Or maybe it's, she's talking about video games. Yeah. I mean, it, there is a lyric in there about, you know, you walk, 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 walk my winners out of control. Oh, it's like you're winning the game because you're on the y-axis moving forward. Yeah, like just, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what's cool is that, um, and I guess it was probably a shout out to this artist, we hadn't had a lot of female representation, so it's nice to uh, have the podcast make sure the glass ceiling is broken. So the next album is actually my favorite album um, of theirs. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good time. Um, show your bones. Show your bones. Yeah. So you know, came out in two thousand six. Yeah, and what was cool is that Karen O said, you know, we're not interested in making Fever to Tell Part Two. Um, the pressures to reinvent ourselves. So it's been three years since they released their you know first LP, Fever to Tell, and they wanted to have a sound that they thought was them progressing, and I think they accomplished it beautifully with gold lion that song is catchy and sticks in my head every time i listen to it yep yes builds layers on layers on layers and um have no clue what it's about gold lion gonna tell you what the light <laughs> Again, is uh actually gold lion is a advertising award and karen O was in an advertisement for adidas or she contributed vocals to an adidas ad and it won the Gold Lion Advertising Award. Wait, so did these guys write the song for Adidas? Because if, I mean, I wouldn't say that's a problem, except I love that song and I have no idea what it's about. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what you saw. All I remember about that song is the amazing guitar playing. It's actually probably one of the few songs where I will say that Nick outshines Karen like this much more. Because that that dee dee doo dee doo and all the background going, man, that right. that's sick. He's doing all kinds of cool shit on that song. We can sit here and just make up meanings to all, every single one of these songs. They're so 
way out there that no one's ever. Well, really some of know. her songs though, she's like this and cryptic, and then some of her songs, which we're gonna get to, are super straightforward. Like they could be, you know, they're just so like literal. So it just is insane to me that she's such an artist that she can mix it up. Like, how do I feel? How do I want to sing today? Which is why she's mm. up there in the echelon of all singers for me. She just has such a cool. Um, like you said, versatility range. and range. You know, that's something funny that my sister always says. There's songs that like men can sing and there's songs that women can sing. And then there's women that can sing both. And that's Karen O. She can get the range all the right. way down, all the way up. It's kind of nuts. Or you can get somebody like the darkness who could sing those. He's not saying that's all sitting <laughs> yeah. above his eyeballs. It's all head music. None of that's real. <laughs> all right. Cool. I'm glad to. I'm glad you agree. The darkness is not real music. What about the song uh, "Phenomena"? I'm actually a big fan of that one too. Um, it's one right. That was another hit mm-hmm. uh, single off this album. Yeah. That was. That's one that gets stuck in my head. That's maybe because it's repetitive, like or maybe phenomena. it's just. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's got a really cool guitar riff to it. Um, yeah, it's funny, you know, oh, it's prepping for these. I don't know if you do this, but I start loving things on Spotify. Like, I love that song. I love that song. And I'm so looking forward <laughs> yeah. to when season two is over. And I sit back and I'm like, recently loved songs. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> the whole lineup. Nice. Good call. So moving on to 2009, uh, another three years later, they came out with It's Blitz. And this was my perfect, or this is my favorite album out of all of them. Uh, It was supposed to come out in April, but it turns out 2009 was a big year for internet leaks. That's when, you know, everything was coming out a little early. So it came out in February, I guess uh, a few weeks early. So they pushed the actual release date to March 9th for the digital version the end of March, March for the physical version. And it just seems like this was the time when everything was leaking off the internet. So I am guilty that I might have been one of those that picked it up before it was ready. I was really looking forward to this. And to me, this is one of those albums that is all killer, no filler. Like every track on this album is awesome. I think you're a big fan of the album starting with a great song. And my favorite song of all time of theirs is Zero, by far. It's the cherub rock of this band. Ooh, yeah. which is ironic because the Smashing Pumpkins also have a song named Zero. <laughs> they do. That's an awesome song, but it's not as good as cherub yeah. rock. <laughs> right. Agreed. Yeah. But yeah, I see what you're saying. This is the kind where you can crank up your stereo as loud as it goes and it's still not loud enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you think this song is about? If we're getting into all these like really super weird cryptic song meanings i don't know what it is about karen o's voice in this song but it makes me sad that i'm not a woman because she (laughs) does those oh things at like the super high like the microphone is like about to explode high like if there's glass i bet you if there's crystal in the room it would explode and every time she does it in this song i could care less what it's actually about i am so enthralled with it but she does talk about um make a spot, get to know it in the dark. And I kind of, I always equate this to like um, beach to me. And this is just my interpretation. It's almost about being true to yourself. Like it, it kind of talks about just kind of get to know yourself, uh, get to know in the dark, get to know okay. yourself, be um, uh, yeah. It's kind of, it, it's really, you're a zero 
I feel like it's almost her reflecting on herself, not other people, which is kind of how I see it. But I don't know. I took this in a much more literal direction. Uh, get the spot, get to know it in the dark, meaning like you start out as a zero and you have to do everything it takes to become a rock star. Uh-huh. You know, get, get, get your leather on, get your leather jacket, find a spot on the stage before the lights come up, get the spot in the dark. And then the lights come on and boom, you're a superstar. I like your literal, literal version so much better. Um, <laughs> that now when I listen to this song, I'm going to think of that. It'll give me a whole different emotion. This song always just like um, everything about it, man. The, the at the end where it like fades out and digitizes out. Um, I, like seriously, no, forget every other rock singer that's existed. This is such a good song vocally. It's like, oh my God, she's killing it. Yeah, I think we can agree that this is... This and Maps, I, I think, are their top two yeah. bangers. And somehow overall. they'd be Desert Island music for me if I if I had to put songs to keep me living. I'd be like, yeah, I'll throw those on the Desert Island playlist. Ooh, all right. Can you imagine when you're down and you got a movie, you put zero on. <laughs> it'd be so hard to go back to sleep. That song always gets you going. It's like the yeah. yeah, it's like the opposite of bedtime music. And then you got Hedge Hedge Were Roll, which is kind of pure to me. Sounds like pure pop, um, but I I still. It's just oh come on man! Like having her sing off with their heads, it's such a it's it's so balls move. Yeah, it's very very balls move. I love it. Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of Alice in Wonderland, and it kind of has. Um, you call it pop, I call it dance. Like a lot of songs on here are dance music, the kind of stuff. And there there are a ton of remixes that have come out since then. Good dance music, not junk dance music. Right. Although some of the remixes I've heard, especially of this album, kind of take that a little bit too far. Like they, it's easy to get carried away with your own dance music and forget the original basis of the song. They do quad beat buildups. Dun 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 dun. dun, 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 dun. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I could totally see it. 2009, yeah. man. That that was the end of that. So I really think Heads Will Roll is about drugs, and it starts with All for Their Heads, which is kind of you know the the. The Queen of Hearts, is it? From Alice in Wonderland. And Alice in Wonderland is just a drug-fueled trip. But then, you know, even the lyrics of this song, she says, glitter on the wet streets, silver over everything, the river's all wet, you're all chrome. I mean, come on, if that's not tripping out, then I don't know what is. Yeah, it totally is trippy. Did I ever tell you about the time that um, somebody in my family told me they were reading a C.S. Lewis book, and I was like, all right, druggie. And they're like, no, what? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, C.S. Lewis, the guy who wrote Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, surprise. Like, no, dude, that's Lewis Carroll. I was like, oh. Uh, Thought they were the close. same thing. <laughs> Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. So close. Alice in Wonderland, same movie, same yeah, premise. they're both for kids. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, here we are talking about drugs. I'm watching you over, the, over FaceTime, and you've got these, like, Red and blue lights all swirling around you. It looks like you're in a dance hall disco right Hell now. Hell yeah, I thought the, thought the band deserved it. And then their final band, Mosquito, uh, in 2013. I can't say I'm too familiar with this album um i'm sure there's a song or two i like on it but i don't recall the names they have a hard time with their song names i can put on yeah yeah, yeah playlists sometimes and i hear the music but i don't look at the name is that a thing do you ever do that with a band where you just kind of know the tune but you don't know the words of, you don't know the name of the song yeah 
Yeah, it happens all the time. But because of this, I actually listened to Mosquito this afternoon because it is, you know, my least familiar out of all these albums. Listen to it start to finish. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not that impressive. It's a reason it's their last band, probably. But um but still, man, really, really, really cool uh music. So those are all the albums that that they put out as a band. But if we could take a few minutes to talk about Karen O's side projects, this list goes on probably even longer than her albums. Wow. Um, she has a solo album. Uh, came out in 2014, which I guess is right after their last band album called Crush Songs. Mm-hmm. Um, then just last year, she came out with an album with Danger Mouse called Lux Prima. And I'm... I think Danger Mouse has the golden touch. Oh, yeah. Anything he collaborates on is instant perfection. So that came out last March, I guess just over a year ago, and that album, too, is a little bit more mellow than the punk stuff. Yeah, sure. But she puts her voice on there, and it kind of rings through. It's a chance for her to slow down and mellow out a little bit more, and uh, it is just a perfect combo with Danger Mouse beats behind her voice. Yeah. That's sick, man. And then, I mean, I see her. She's done collabs with bands like Flaming Lips, um, where she did backing vocals, all kinds of animal sounds and noises on uh, their album, <laughs> Embryonic. Yeah, like you were saying, she, she does her, her yips and she does her yelps, and she'd be perfect for animal, weird background, screaming noises. Yeah, but, like, no, nobody can make those sounds. Like, that's why Zero is like, what is she doing? Like, is somebody else going to do this ever? It's so unique, and she <laughs> times it so well. Um, but no, and then she did, she did uh, some collaboration even with uh, ODB. Wow, rest in peace. Yeah, right. And, and that was uh, what was that? She it was a track they did, um, for NASA called "Strange Enough." Oh, NASA N A S A is is a rapper. <laughs> Don't get it confused with you know the space li- space flight program. I I see um, that I see I, that you picked up what I was putting down, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Um, ironically, the album name is called The Spirit of Apollo, which also has NASA implications. But <laughs> no, apparently just ODB, Karen O on the same track. These guys once, are so just trying to cool. get sued by NASA. That's, that's, the, that's what they're going yeah. for. And then, yeah, she was right. even on James Eha of uh, Smashing Pumpkins fame, uh, featured on a second solo LP, Look to the Sky in 2012. Um, that makes sense. I, made a, I was talking earlier about the connection between Smashing Pumpkins and them, I feel like there's definitely a, a vibe there, except if that band mm-hmm. had her instead of Billy Corgan, they'd be the next Led Zeppelin. So moving on. Ooh, um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about her soundtrack work, Steve. Apparently it's extensive. Yeah, well, let's go backwards in time on this. There's a new show that uh, a few of my friends have been talking about called Hannah. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Okay. And she does a cover of Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Kind of going back, there, there is a strong Smashing Pumpkins I'm a fan. weak link here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she does a great cover of that. Um, she has her own soundtrack. When uh, the movie came out in 2009 for the Where the Wild Things Are. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that soundtrack was hers. It's almost like a solo album of, of just her stuff, which was very cool. Yeah, and I even see that she did some work on uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, they did a Led Zeppelin cover of the Immigrant Song. I, I've heard that cover, and I, I remember it had some connection. I think it might be like a the Nine Inch Nails playlist, and it may not mention Karen O's name in the, ti- in the title of it. 
because I never knew that was her singing. I always was like, oh, who, who is that? In the, who's that singing that song? Um, right. But what's cool, yeah, you're right. It's got Nine Inch Nails. It's got Trent Reznor's industrial beats behind it. Adds a whole new dimension to the song. It's awesome. Yeah, it really is. Um, she also, I mean, going down the list, she also does a Bob Dylan cover for um, for the I'm Not There soundtrack. That's awesome. Um, she covers Highway 61 Revisited. Uh, she's on the Jackass 2 soundtrack with a a track called Backass. <laughs> I, I, I really kind of wonder what that sounds like. And I think her her most esteemed work is on the soundtrack to the movie House of Wax, which was Paris Hilton's music or movie debut. I hope she washed that money in a in a, in a washing machine. <laughs> yeah. Get the icky no, out of it. I, I, I really kind of think that was probably one of the low points in her career. Like <laughs> that movie had no redeeming qualities, even Paris Hilton's debut. Yeah. Well, let's give it up though, man. That that's pretty sick. And then, I mean, as far as accolades goes, these guys uh, were, have been nominated for three Grammys um, all for best alternative music album. I wonder how many of these years they were up against uh, white stripes and lost, but their first three albums did, uh, did get nominated. Yeah. But none of them won. Like, I was looking through all of their awards and accolades. They didn't win a whole lot of stuff. They got a lot of nominations. Uh, Best Alternative Music Album is kind of a big Grammy yeah. category to begin with, and um, they didn't get a single one. Well, just remember, Leonardo DiCaprio only has one Academy Award. And uh, so does okay. Denzel Washington. <laughs> Represent. But what about Tom Hanks? <laughs> Are all his movies the best movies? Didn't think so. So I yeah, I would say <laughs> yeah. Seems like well, Big is kind of great. Are we gonna have it? Actually, yeah, they yeah. are pretty good. But I will say, uh, winning the awards isn't everything. But um, it's cool that they got nominated for that award so many times. That's you know how many nominations has Tame Impala gotten? I think like two. And how many have they won? <laughs> Zero. So are we saying these guys are as good as Tame Impala? No, they're better. But. Better. <laughs> <laughs> but what they uh, they also didn't win any other did they win any other awards? Confused. No, I mean MTV Video Music Awards. Apparently, they had some really awesome music yeah, videos. Maps is a really cool one. Uh, yeah, it was nominated for best art direction, best editing, best cinematography, and the MTV Two Award, which I guess is a little bit more alter. It's a little bit more alternative. Way to promote your own your own sub networks, MTV. Yeah. You're gonna name a whole award after it. It's yeah, MTV stopped playing music videos, and then all of a sudden they realized, hey, wait, why don't we just come up with a new TV station and we'll play music videos? So that was MTV yeah, too. Reality just took over the world. How about yeah. <laughs> how about what if we talk about the fact that VH1 should have a award that's for like a lifetime nomination, but then called the VH1 Classics Lifetime Nomination Award. And that way it can really have a good <laughs> ring to it. Get it together, MTV. Yeah. But again, they didn't, they didn't win any of these uh, MTV Music Awards for uh, music videos for Maps, uh, Hedge Will Roll, and uh, Sacrilege. But they were nominated, so there's that. Um, it seems like there's a whole other association that gives out awards, Steve. Can you explain this to me? I'm a little confused. Right, so there's the video... Or music video production awards, which you know goes beyond just the music, but it actually gets into the cinematography part of it. And this, they were nominated three times. They actually won twice. Nice. So I mean, if you want to look at what the Yeah Yeahs actually took home, I think their most prestigious award is the MVPA award, 
for best alternative video in 2005 and best rock video in 2009 for zero. Well, I think what they really took home is a lot of cash because of that uh, being so prominently featured in the video game Rock Band. And with that, we'll go to our... All right, Steve. So it's another, another time for some rock facts. Yeah, we've been talking about their music videos for a little while, and the guy who produced the video for Zero is Karen's husband. Okay. His name is Barnaby Clay. Barnaby, I just think, is, <laughs> is a hilarious name. Reminds me of Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother. Can I just say something? I, don't, I have no idea what Barnaby looks like, but you imagine when it's like, hey, meet my husband, Barnaby. He definitely has to have a nickname, <laughs> like, you know, BB or... Barnes, like Barney. Barney, Barney wouldn't be that bad. I mean, it does think of you know, it. That's a tough name to grow up with, but um, it's cool because that award actually won best rock video <laughs> in two thousand nine from the MVPA. So uh, apparently, he makes good music videos. So he must be a really talented, creative dude as well. And yeah. then in two thousand sixteen, the band received writing credits on the Beyonce single "Hold Up," which uh, is pretty cool. It's cool that the uh, the band was collaborating and wrote a song and. You know, somebody, somebody must have got all the way to Beyonce and said, hey, this would be really good. Yeah, see. How did this happen? That's the key word there. Yeah, the key word there is Beyonce. Like, if they were writing songs for The Strokes, or if they were writing songs with, uh, I don't know, Metric, that would totally make sense. But here we are. They, they wrote a song for Beyonce. Honestly, I just, I'm trying to figure out how it got to Beyonce. Like, you know, like, was somebody in the room when they were rehearsing and they were like, Wow, that sounds like a song Beyonce would like. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, how does this transaction I know happen? Be perfect to yeah. sing this. So, I think beyond <laughs> the fact that it's not their typical genre, I'm just trying to figure out that whole path. Um, additionally, similar to Pink Floyd's "Dark Side of the Moon" and "Wizard of Oz," uh, you know how you can sync them up and they and they synchronize to each other. Oh, it's I know. Like you, one almost sounds like the soundtrack to the Wizard There's of Oz. There's also another one that you can do that's Pink Floyd's "Wish You Were Here," and the original Blade Runner. If you sync those Ooh. up, they have all kinds of syncs, but then they kind of don't because things just match up. Although the money part with all the people dancing in the field when it turns to color is a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great gig in the sky while you're just getting whipped around in the tornado. So wait, what is it? I know that. How does that relate to the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs? Well, their album Fever to Tell lines up perfectly with Free Willy 2. You know what's, you know what's, the best, what's the best part of all that? Is that it's probably better to watch with Fever to Tell playing over it than without. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. I've never tried it. But it, you know what? It's worth a shot. I, I think I'm going to sit down and watch some Free Willy 2 tonight. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, any more rock facts, Steve? And then there's one more rock fact, which I think you might be interested to find out. Igneous rock comes from molten magma. How's that for a rock fact? <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to leave that as our last. <laughs> so similar artists and albums. We've, we've talked about some of these already. So you obviously got the Strokes, the White Stripes, um, Blondie, obviously. I think if you took Blondie and then combined a little bit of, I want to say, um, Robert Plant, <laughs> you'd get... This band, okay. um, as far as, uh, you know, honestly, like, very versatile, but also Blondie was considered punk uh, when they came out. Right, yeah. And not just that, but New York City punk. 
Like, if, if you took these two bands side by side and you put them in the same decade, they would be pretty much the same. Like, Blondie was to the 70s and early 80s what Karen O was to the 2000s. For sure. And then you've got Susie and the Banshees. I love the spelling of that. Susie with the... With yeah. the it reminds <laughs> me of kind of like Sioux Indians, but it's reversed a little bit. It's pretty cool. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, same kind of deal here. you got a, a very strong lead female singer, uh, very punk-influenced, um, very quick tempo, uh, very short songs kind of deal. So there, I see a lot of similarities there. Yeah, and then uh, obviously, you know, bands like Pixies and Belly um, make me think of this band too. I would say um, The Breeders. The Breeders. That gives, that's, yeah. a, that's a good feel. Um, I, don't, I think Karen O's probably a little better singer, but that same kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Honestly, like I said earlier, I wish I could sing like a girl, they, like, like this one, because she's got <laughs> so much like um, just throat behind it. You know what I mean? Like it's just like really, really projecting. Yeah. It's not like a soft It's song. that hard and fast, yeah, hard, fast female rock. It's, uh, it is a genre in yeah, itself. Yeah, even, even in songs where she's trying to um, sound vulnerable, it's tough because she's so freaking strong. Um, so anyways... Big fan, yeah. big fan of this band. And uh, Steve, now we move on to everybody's favorite part of the, of the podcast, the sucky song of the it's day. It's the sucky song <laughs> of the day. So this week, I, I've been meaning to find some real sucky Van Halen stuff for a while. And this one just popped in my head out of nowhere. It's Dancing in the Streets, <laughs> which is originally a cover from Martha and the Vandellas in 1964, and this version came out in 1982. So what is that? It's like not, it's 18 years later, which means that would be like covering a song from 2002 today. Yeah, with this band, it's like Slayer covering Simon and Garfunkel. Like, why would they pick this song? It has no <laughs> like bearing on their their band sound. Um, no, but it is, uh, you know, it's, it's a classic song in every sense of the word. Like when Motown was big in the, in the 60s, this was one of their epic, legendary, quintessential Motown songs. So it's been covered a million times over and over again. It's been covered by the Mamas and the Papas, the Kinks, the Grateful Dead, the Carpenters. Mm -hmm. My favorite version is David Bowie and Mick Jagger Hell came out yeah. with them in 1985. That was a cool music video. I remember that. It was for a Live Aid promotion back in 85. Now, I personally think that this song sucked so bad in 1982 that Bowie and Jagger just got together and said, all right, guys, we need to cover this quickly. Let's get this behind us. We need a palate cleanser. Let's redo this so that we can forget about the Van Halen version as quickly as let's possible. Bring, let's bring back and restore this song's validity so that Martha and the Vandellas <laughs> don't come back from the dead to kill us all. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the 50 songs that are preserved in the Library of Cong Congress. This is, a, this is literally a legendary song, and they butchered it. Yeah. You know why? You know what's so bad about it? Everything? <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, David Lee Roth. Oh, yeah. So this is how this song works. So this, this song works where Eddie Van Halen wanted to sing. So, you know, this song has that back, dancing in the street. So unless they left go, right. like, what are you doing? Uh, he's, he's ruining it. It's like David Lee Roth at his brothiest. He seems like he has no teeth. That's the problem. Uh, very strong in the vowels, not so strong in the consonants, just wailing. He's trying to cough up peas, just 
fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, I really do. When you bring up this song, I remember how much I didn't like this cover, which kind of makes sense that they would try to cover another one because Pretty Woman, their version is is one of those better covers, especially when you, you have to pair it with Eruption directly into it. Then you have this. Okay. It's a solid rock nugget. Um, it's how it has to be played on classic rock radio. But it's like, dude. Yeah, they were in full-on cover mode at the time. They went from Dancing in the Street to Pretty Woman. Like, let's just cover all sorts of 60s stuff back in the early 80s. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's, it's a matter of time. But I just don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand why. Did this, did this cover have sax in it? I'm trying to remember. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> I think it may have actually. <laughs> it may, no, it may have been the guitar trying to emulate a sax sound, which, you know. A- anyways, um, not a big fan. I guess what, Eddie Van Halen played some synth on this track? Yeah, he, he said it takes almost as much time to make a cover song sound original as it does writing a new song. He spent a lot of time arranging and playing synthesizer, and, the cri- and critics just kind of said it's just like the original. So Eddie Van Halen said, forget the critics. These are good songs, to which I strongly <laughs> disagree. <laughs> this is a terrible song, and it is our sucky song of the day. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, and that's our show, Steve. Any last words? Van Halen has a few shitty songs. <laughs> we, we can go on and on about this. Yeah. I, but I'll leave it at nice. that. Nice. Well, come back and join us next. As long as I don't try covering any Yeah, Yeah, Yeah songs. No, I think at this point that, that dog's been put out to pasture. So uh, come back and join us next week when we provi- promise to go back to a 90s band. We're going we're gonna to find one we want to talk about and make sure it has more than three people. So remember, subscribe, share, and uh, like our page on Facebook. It makes us feel good. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Bass Treble Pod. All right, Sebo. Peace. Peace.